This is Brian from Positivity Unleashed Podcast, LLC, and you're listening to the Positivity Unleashed Podcast. With me, as always, is my co-host, Clark. And Clark, I am so excited about this episode. I hope you are, too. I think it's going to be a good one. Absolutely. This is uh, very hopeful, very hopeful that this will be a great episode. <laughs> awesome. So as you may have seen from our from our cover of our episode and our title, we are going to be talking about two topics today, kind of combined into one, hope and optimism. So as always, uh, a tradition of the Positivity Unleashed podcast, we're going to start off with some definitions. All right. So let's talk about hope first. Hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So really what it comes down to for hope is you almost have these these thoughts in your head, right? These, these expectations, if you will, that at the end of whatever situation you're in or whatever you're doing, there's going to be an outcome that's going to happen for you, right? One that you're going to reach. That's that's really what hope comes down to. When you think about someone who's hopeful, right? They're hopeful something's going to work out, right? They're hopeful that they're going to get that job promotion, right? Whatever it might be. Now let's talk about optimism. Definition of optimism is hopefulness and confidence about the future of the successful outcome of something. So kind of going hand in hand here, in order for you to have optimism, you have to be hopeful. There has to be hope there. So there, in, with optimism, there's almost like this like heightened or, or level up, if you will, expectation, these thoughts in your head, this confidence inside of you that the, the success of, of whatever you're going through, there will be that outcome that you're looking to achieve, right? So why do hope and optimism go work so well together? Well, at the end of the day, again, you can't really have optimism without having hope, right? In order to achieve optimism, there has to be hopefulness involved as the definition states. Therefore, hope is really like the driver to us being optimistic. You have to believe that whatever the situation you're in, the outcome will be one that leads to success or will lead to the desired outcome that you want. Now, this doesn't mean to just blindly believe no matter what you do, it will automatically be successful or lead to success, right? But instead, take action and believe that through your actions and the growth that you have and the thought process that you have, you will ha be hopeful or optimistic that you'll find success in these situations. So before we move any further, I kind of talked about a lot there, Clark. Anything you want to throw in there? Yeah, I mean, definitely one thing. I love doing these definitions because we always catch something interesting in it. And what I found that stuck out to me, of course, the neuroscience of things is that you mentioned in the hope definition, it is a feeling and a desire. And so mm -hmm. what that tells me is that there's an emotional component to this. Mm -hmm. um, we have an episode on emotions, but I mean, you know, there's, it, it's interesting to me that it is a, desire of some positive outcome. And I think in this, there's an expectation there. Um, mm -hmm. And so maybe this is a little bit of like a, a cautionary thing, but like whenever we have expectations about something, we should be careful. We should be careful. But mm -hmm. to go back to the positive side of things, um, I think what this episode is really about is kind of like the power of positive belief. 
and and having a faith that things will work out in your favor and the power of that, which as we'll get into in this episode with some <laughs> data, <laughs> with some data that's, that yeah. um, that's exactly true. That's exactly true. And there's so much power in the belief that things will work out in your favor. But there's also some more cautionary things later. So again, excited to start this up. Brian, <laughs> I'll pass it back I'll pass it back to you to get into this. Awesome. Well said, Clark. So yeah, first thing I want to talk about is actually um, a, a website that I found that had uh, a some study on it, if you will, uh, it's called Everyday Health, and Dr. Trudell Fitzgerald stated in this in this uh, in this on this website that there are three different types of optimism, which is very interesting. You know, I always just thought optimism was optimism, right? But there's actually three different types that we kind of exhibit on a on an everyday. Uh, basis, if you will. So the first one that Dr. Trudel Fitzgerald talks about is dispositional optimism. And dispositional optimism is the expectations about one's future. So while we have the ability to recognize the future will hold different battles or challenges, we believe that we will overcome them. And one of the most interesting things about this was that Suzanne Sagerstorm, uh, PhD and PhD, brings up a, 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 an interesting topic where she said that genetics and our surroundings actually contribute to this type of optimism, which is very interesting because, you know, the two of them together, Dr. Trudeau Fitzgerald and Suzanne Sagerstorm, are, are both basically saying that at the end of the day, our genetics or our nature and our surroundings, our nurture, are the two things that contribute kind of how we have this type of optimism or to what, I guess, level we have this optimism, right? So it, it's very interesting to think that kind of our life and almost like our experiences or, or kind of what we're brought up with is what uh, is a big contributor to why or to the level of optimism we have in this field. And again, which is the expectations about our own future, okay? So... The next optimism that Dr. Trudeau Fitzgerald talks about is explanatory optimism. So while dispositional optimism is more of a personality trait, explanatory optimism is more of a thinking pattern. And it's really a habit that can change through deliberate practice. So what explanatory optimism is, is how you explain why certain things happen to you. So... You have this belief that good things happen in your day will keep happening. And you also have a belief that the bad things that happen in your day won't repeat themselves. Okay. So kind of dumbing this down for for myself, right? Because I'm a dumb dumb. What this basically means. (laughs) What this basically means is that the good things that happen in your day, you believe they'll keep happening. You think that, you know, something good happens, that's so great. You know, I I believe that there will also be other things, good things that could happen in my day as well. And it's going to be a great day. You know, I'm hopeful I'm going to get that job uh, promotion. I'm hopeful I'm going to see my good friends at work. I'm hopeful I'm going to see my good buddy Clark, right? Some hopeful things like that. And on the opposite end of that, you believe that bad things that happen are, are almost like a one-off, right? They won't repeat themselves, right? Something bad happens. You said, oh, man, like that, that stinks that happened. But, you know, it, it's in the past. It's not going to happen again. The rest of the day is going to be a good day. Those other things I believe or are hopeful about are going to happen, right? Now let's get to the last of the three optimism types that Dr. Trudeau Fitzgerald talks about, which is unrealistic optimism or optimistic bias. Now, what this is, is basically the way that we tend to expect good things to happen to us more often 
and bad things not to happen to us as often compared to others. Okay. So I know this sounds very similar to explanatory optimism. The way that it's different is again, that, that kind of last piece there compared to others, right? So think of unrealistic optimism almost as like this unrealistic or unlogical thinking way that good things are going to keep happening to me and they're not going to happen to others or they're going to happen way less to others, right? So like you get to work and you see a couple people you know at work and in your head you're like, I'm going to get that next promotion and then I'm going to get the promotion after that and then the promotion after that and these people are not going to get promotions, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of some uh, like a very – so this is kind of an example though of what unrealistic optimism can kind of sound like and why it's a little bit different than explanatory optimism, which again is more of a thinking pattern and a way to almost try to be more positive in your everyday life. So – Said a lot there. Three different types of optimism. Yeah. Clark, I'm going to throw it to you. Sure. I'd like to comment on each one, actually. Um, the first one, uh, it's so interesting to me that there's a nature component to it, this genetic component. Um, I would personally like to do a little more research into that because um, I think the nurture one just makes perfect sense, right? Like, you know, who your friends are growing up is going to contribute to how optimistic you are. Your life circumstances are going to contribute to how optimistic you are. Like, are you someone that had a really, really hard life? Um, You know, sometimes that has an outcome of making people really optimistic. Sometimes that has an outcome of making people really pessimistic. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious, though, about the the nature genetic component. you yeah, know, and, I'll, and, I'll, that, and I'll throw yeah. in there super quick, Clark. Um, it does say in this article, experts aren't really even sure really to what level genetics play. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it could be very little, right? It could be maybe more than we think. They're really not right. sure, but they think right. there's a piece to it. And, I, 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 you know, personally for me, I think, you know, and my thoughts are I, I'm not really sure how it would be genetics personally just because I'm not really experienced in that background. But the nurture side of it, your surroundings, makes complete sense for my own personal experiences, right? Like I know like meeting certain individuals and my life experiences has taught me to be more optimistic, right? Mm -hmm. Well, one thing I will mention about genetics, something something that is a a mind-blowing thought that I had at some point (laughs) is like when we think about genetics, like usually, you know, in middle school science class, we learn about like, oh, well, like, you know, uh, your parents have blue eyes, you have blue eyes, like that sort of thing. But what we don't really think about is the brain and how mm. like a lot of a lot of the brain is genetics as well. So like it's one of those things. It would be super specific genes and complicated gene patterns in order to figure out like where in the brain optimism lives and and, you know, how that gets uh, translated from your genes to behavior. All right. Mm. But um, Interesting. it's a curious thing. I think one thing that maybe substantiates it is like. Uh, just yeah this idea of like well this person came from a long line of optimists uh you know their parents parents grandparents were optimists and they've just a very mm-hmm. optimistic people um and maybe that's it too maybe they're like cultures of they're like little societies or tribes of people that are just super optimistic mm-hmm. um and maybe it gets passed on actually i just remembered i have 
I'll, when I get into my study, there's something else that I'll mention actually that kind of substantiates that as well, the genetic component. But cool. we'll get okay. to that later. So the um, second thing, explanatory optimism is, is really the way that I've all, kind of always thought about optimism. Like you mentioned, like, you know, neither you nor I've really thought about there being three types of optimism. So I think the second one is really how I've always thought about it, which is like a thinking pattern. You know, it's like you wake up, you have kind of like a feeling about how the day is going to go. It's like, it's like a feeling and expectation about the future. Um, and I, and also I love that you mentioned it's something you can train and get better at. And actually mm-hmm. in prepping for this episode, you know, you sent me your notes on this and actually just today I was using it cause I had kind of a rough start to the morning. And so I kind of used this thought pattern of just literally like a mantra of mm-hmm. telling myself, you know what? Good things are going to come. That's all I yeah. said. It was like, good things are going to come. Good things are going to happen. And sure enough, here I am having a blast on the podcast. So <laughs> yeah, sure. so, you know, I, I think that's a powerful thought pattern to have. And I love the idea of you can train it because if it's true that genetically you might not be the most uh, optimistic person, it's something you can train. Um, the third one was especially interesting to me because it's, it's always fascinating to hear about these like biases that we have as humans that are like totally against our, um, what is, what is the right word? Like it, they're, they're not adaptive. Like they're not actually good for us to have these biases. And I think this mm. is one of them. It's an unrealistic optimism. It's, it's almost, you could say it's like a toxic optimism of just always thinking, you know what, no matter what in life, everything is going to go my way a hundred percent of the time because it's just not realistic. Is it good Mm -hmm. to have optimism and think like, I think the healthy version is, you know, no matter what happens to me, good things are going to come. But Mm -hmm. it's, but the unrealistic one is like, everybody else's life sucks. My life is perfect all the Mm -hmm. time. That's just like, you're going to get slapped in the face by life eventually. (laughs) Um, I was about to say, I I think, I think you're setting these unrealistic expectations that can be easily let you down, right? Can easily put you into a place where if that isn't the case, right, those unrealistic expectations aren't being met, it will be easier for you to fall into a more negative headspace, I think. So that's exactly what I said at the beginning of this episode of this cautionary piece of it is uh, exactly what you just said. It's when we set expectations and our expectations don't get met, it's very bad for our brains. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. our brains do not like that one bit. It creates this cognitive dissonance. It's like a, a friction in our mind of like, uh, um, you know, it's like someone promises you cake and you get, um, I don't know, biscuits instead. I'm just making that <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, the second thing, the one thing, last point I want to make on that is I think this also ties back to our last episode on imagination. Like this is exactly what I'm talking about in mm. uh, the imagination episode, which is like yeah. we can create this like thing in our imagination. And, and, and like the fact that they defined it as an unrealistic bias tells you that it's almost an automatic brain process of all of a sudden you're just dreaming about this fantastical future for yourself and you're like hey everything's gonna work out like no matter what everybody else's situation sucks um <laughs> so so that's why it's like you know coming back to to life and the now and being realistic about your expectations on life but i think also you know having optimism and having hope it's like there's really no reason not to you know um yeah so th- those are my points on that um, awesome 
I know you yeah, have a study, Clark. If you wanna, you wanna get yes. onto that next. Okay. Yeah, I, th I think I'm good on that one. I think we talked about a lot sure. for that one. I, I'm excited to hear more about your study for yeah. sure. Sure, sure. So um, when I was thinking about doing this episode, I had remembered uh, I wasn't able to find this particular study, but there was um, like a Netflix documentary. I think it got taken down that was mentioning something about like. Um, cancer survivors and people that were like more likely to get through cancer than others. Like what were the, what were the things that they did in their lives? And they were like profiling these people. And I just remember the number one thing was having purpose in their lives. And it just reminded me of how powerful, like I said at the beginning, like the power of belief can have on our biology. So that was my mindset doing the research into this episode. I wish I could find that study. I don't even know if it exists. Maybe it's made up. Maybe it's fake information. I don't know. But here's a real study that I found on NIH um, that also uh, works towards this same idea of having optimism and the power of belief towards your future and your life can have incredibly real-life effects on your biology. So... What was the study? So this has to do with cardiovascular health and optimism. And before I get to the study, I will mention this one thing that I looked up. According to the World Health Organization, the number one cause of death globally is cardiovascular diseases. Mm -hmm. And apparently it kills 17 million people each year, which is yeah. insane to even think about, right? So is a very serious thing and so you know if there's a like what's the question right like what can we do to help prevent this is always mm -hmm. a question and of course you know there's physical things lifestyle things what you eat smoking all of these things can contribute to better or worse cardiovascular health this study was so fascinating to me it is a longitudinal study which means it was done over a lot of participants over a very long period of time so they studied this population for 10 years looking at their cardiovascular health. And so to get into it, basically there were 3,200 young adults and basically in the year 2000s, they were at risk of coronary artery um, issues, diseases, et cetera. So these are at risk people, like they're not showing the best signs in their cardiovascular health at this point in time, at year zero, we'll call it, right? Um, and at the same time, they took what's called a life orientation test. I did a little more research into this. Apparently there's a revised version. And the life orientation test is a psychology test that measures optimism. So to anyone who's interested, I'm probably gonna look this up and do it myself. It's kind of like a Myers-Briggs assessment using, mm. you know, statistics and like, you know, check check this from one to five, et cetera. Um, right. For, and it measures how optimistic you are. So all these people took this test so that they can measure optimism of this group of 3,200 people. Um, and basically to get into the results, um, optimism was positively associated with better cardiovascular health at year 10. Um, what's curious that they noted is that there was no effect on the rate of cardiovascular health improvement. So basically that's saying that having optimism isn't going to make your cardiovascular health better faster, but right. over time, in the end, you will have better cardiovascular health. A study that they point to basically says the conclusion is like optimism can have a 35% lower risk of experiencing a cardiovascular event that's like a stroke compared to individuals with lower levels of optimism. That's now, actually wild. That's yeah, a huge yeah. number. 
That's huge. <laughs> 35%. Yeah. You know, considering, imagine 35% of those deaths were knocked out. I mean, that's millions of people if you look at yeah. it that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's astounding. Um, Definitely don't want to denote that. But the last bit of information I found on this that I was referencing earlier about the genetic part of optimism is that they also, of course, when you do a study like this, you're looking at everything. You do every statistical test you can every which way. And one of the things is, of course, they they looked at optimism against race and there was no interaction there. There was no interaction with like your race and how optimistic you are. But this is what I found so interesting because there was a super strong effect with this. Women are more optimistic than men. Hmm. Very curious. You know, and, and I mean, like, you know, we talk about like genes and stuff like that is as genetic as it gets for evidence, I think, for there being a genetic component. Right. Hmm. Gosh, so, dang it. Now I won't be. No, so I know. I know. So, <laughs> hey. <laughs> so, hey, this this episode is for all the, the men and women out there. But uh, I think to, to the men out there that are super pessimistic, I mean, this episode is for you on you know, tips and tricks, what you can do. But I think there's also some solace in that knowing like, hey, you know, the fact that there is a genetic component is really curious because that should yeah, hopefully that give you a, should hopefully give you a sense of like it's not my brain. It's not me. Like there's something else going on here. And of course, as you said in the studies you mentioned, like you can change this, you can practice it, you can train it. Yes. And, um, you know, I think that this study does a great job of showing like the effects that optimism can have on your life. You know, um, the very last thing to tie off the study is that, uh, they mentioned in the study quote, perhaps it kind of like is an explanation for why the results were the way they were. Um, it says perhaps because optimism promotes healthy behaviors, for example, physical activity and is related to effective goal pursuit and coping with challenges, mm-hmm. um, as a reasoning for a possible explanation why there's, you know, 35% lower risk of experiencing mm-hmm. a cardiovascular event. So that's the study. Cool. Very cool. No, I think that's super yeah. interesting, Clark. I, I mean, again, 35%. I'm still kind of mind blown by that, that alone. Um, yeah. So it's kind of cool, though. It's kind of cool to think about, like, the fact that the way that we think, like, our brain could have a, a positive mm-hmm. impact on our, like, our heart, our cardio, yeah. like, cardiovascular, you know, system. Like, it's very interesting. So I will mention one thing. Something super important in science and statistics is trying to um, – differentiate causality and um uh what's the other one uh tip of my tongue basically like making an association um so what i mean by that is like uh you know it's not that optimism caused you to have a 34 percent lower risk of ex- experiencing a cardiovascular event it's that it was like associated basically so what does that mean it's like Basically, their explanation explains it like having optimism promotes healthy behavior. So it's indirect, right? It's not that mm-hmm. like having optimism is all of a sudden going to lower your blood pressure. It doesn't work right. like that. It's that right. having optimism indirectly will have these great effects. So yeah, yeah want to make that little point there. Cool. All right. Well, Clark, let's get to our, our last and final topic here. We're going to be talking about how to be more optimistic. So uh, I'm actually using um, another uh, another page of the same website, which was um, Everyday Health, 
And they talked about some different ways for us to be more optimistic in your everyday. So the first one is don't ignore the negatives. And I thought this one was super interesting. And I'm going to probably butcher this name. I'm so sorry. Aranda Jaya Wickremi, PhD, states that this is the ability to accept the challenges and work on ways to minimize them. Right. So instead of just ignoring the negatives that come your way or the negatives possibly that you have in your life, accept them as like challenges and work on ways to minimize them or work on ways to get around them, to, to beat them, to get through them, whatever it might be. But don't just ignore the negatives because it can it can almost result in us, again, maybe being unrealistic, unrealistic in our yep. in unrealistic optimism. Right. Exactly. So. That was kind of the first one listed. Another one that was listed was figure out what is in your control. And I really like this one a lot because this reminds me of the exercise that I talked about. I believe it was in episode three when we talked about how to reduce stress, which was so uh, make a list. And in this list, you're going to basically list out everything that's on your mind, right, that you're thinking about, that you're stressing about, have anxiety about, whatever it might be. Go through that list and make a line or cross out everything that you cannot control or cannot do anything about, right? At the end of that list, you're going to probably notice it's very, very small compared to the total list that you made. And this is what tends to happen whenever I've done this in the past. There ends up being either like one thing on that list or maybe like nothing on the list. And if there is one thing on that list, you know, you have the ability to do something about it, right? You can control it. But if it's crossed out, you can control it and we shouldn't be worrying about it. The next one that they talked about was, so I thought this was super interesting because, you know, a lot of the times we, we think about things we don't want to do a lot, right? Like, oh, I don't want to go to that, you know, practice. I don't want to take out the trash. I don't want to go to work, right? We think a lot about things we don't want to do. But this exercise is basically telling you, hey, take the time instead to think about things you want to do and then try to avoid thinking about the things you don't want to do. And this can help you be more optimistic throughout your day because you're not thinking about those things that you don't want to do, right? You're not letting that kind of negativity cloud your mind of the things you actually do want to do in your day. And last but not least, remember not to put too much pressure on yourself, right? It is so easy in our everyday lives to put way too much pressure on ourselves about XYZ needs to get done. I need to make sure I'm top of my class. I need to make sure I'm this, I'm that. Take a breather, take a step back. Remember to enjoy life sometimes, right? At the end of the day, we're only here for a short amount of time. We got one life, enjoy to the max. So with all that being said, Clark, I'll throw it to you for any comments mm. about how to be more optimistic. I'm enjoying this right now. I'm enjoying this podcasting <laughs> moment. Um, yeah. Um, real quick, I need to redeem myself. The word I was looking for a moment ago is correlation. Okay. Causation. I thought so, but I wasn't going to say yeah. it and sound like an idiot. Because I was like, I think it's no. correlation, but yeah. I'll have a right. No. I almost sound like an dude, idiot. <laughs> dude, no, I'm, I'm the dumb dumb today. Um, yeah, correlation <laughs> is, is the word I was looking for. Um, no, so um, I love, love all of those um, tips and tricks. Um, the one thing I mentioned earlier, I think I'm going to throw in there, which is... Um, having a mantra, um, you know, having an optimistic mantra of just like good things are going to happen. Good things will come my way. Um, one thing you mentioned was one thing you mentioned uh, a little bit ago was that part about unrealistic optimism versus what I think is 
what you just said about accepting the negatives. And I think Mm -hmm. the way that I think is a healthy way to do optimism is to acknowledge and accept the negatives and go from that point instead of this toxic positivity kind of side of things, which is like, uh, which we did an episode on, <laughs> which is like <laughs> everything is peachy all the time. Nothing bad ever happens. Like that's kind of a fake way to do optimism. And I think that like having bad things happen to you, accepting them and being optimistic that they're going to get better. Mm-hmm. That is how to do optimism. Yeah. Um, so that kind of concludes my points there. Um, this was a great episode. I definitely loved i think i learned a lot from this one just like doing the research yeah. talking to you even during this episode <laughs> um so on that note brian i'll throw it to you to take it away awesome yeah i agree clark i think this is a great episode i learned a lot from it um i i hope our listeners do too um was really excited to do this one so glad we got to do it really excited for next week as well so as always tune in next week to catch us in our next episode until then have a great rest of your day great rest of your week be hopeful Be optimistic, Mm. and remember, keep on smiling. Oh, good things are coming to the positivity unleashed people. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you guys. Everyone listening to this, good things are coming to you. Um, Keep on smiling.